Coming up in this episode of Finding Common Ground. What does being censored even mean? What what does that mean, being censored? It it, uh, means I can't go to any Republican event in Guilford County. So wait a minute, the mayor of Stokesdale looked you in the eyes and said, hey, you're not the most popular person in this area. I thought you were the most hated school board member Republican in this area. There are two sides to every coin. How do we deal with racial issues when they affect relationships? Finding common ground on all those issues that we come against. There's black and there's white. And I think as Christians, we have to learn how to get together because we're not in heaven. I've met more interesting people just by God just bringing them in. Republicans and Democrats. But a lot of times when it comes to race and it comes to culture and it comes to perception, even as Christians, we don't always understand. We look at it through our lenses. There's Bill. I grew up in a suburb of Cleveland called Parma. Uh, Any black people in Parma? There was not one. Not one black person, Bill? Not one. Come on, Bill, you got to have one, a token black person, a token. And there's Odell. I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina, public housing, single mom, divorced single mom with four kids. And I came up through segregation and all that kind of stuff. If a black person drove through the town, the police would stop and escort them out. Bill and Odell are finding common ground. A part of what we have to do is listen to each other, find the common ground, and question, not questioning you like you're on a witness stand, but questioning you for a better understanding. Father God, we just come to you this evening in the precious name of Jesus Christ. God, we just thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for watching over my brother as he had a stumble and fall in an accident. So we just say thank you, God, for sparing his life. We just thank you for helping us help him. So, God, we just know that you are still looking out for all of us. God, we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' most precious name, we pray and believe. Amen. 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 Dear Heavenly Father, just uh, thank you for uh, my brother Odell, and we lift up his brother who uh, fell and cracked his head and fractured a vertebrae, we ask that you heal him and help him as he goes through that healing process. We lift up our families as we travel about. Uh, We lift up uh, the Ukrainians as they go through their over 500-day war that's continuing. And uh, thank you, Lord, for the blessings you've given my family and me. We certainly don't deserve it, but thank you. Amen. Bill, Bill, Bill. You know, I use the term all the time, buckle up buttercups. You know, I just like the way that sounds, buckle up buttercups. And someone's (laughs) like, Odell, what in the world does buckle up buttercups mean? Yeah, where did that come from? (laughs) Let me give you the definition. Buckle up buttercup is a sarcastic expression indicating that one should get ready for some upcoming unpleasant or extreme actions. Oh, really? So that's what I'm saying. It's like buckle up buttercup. And I use the term, Bill, in reference to what's going on in our great state of North Carolina, which people say the mother of all battleground states and all this kind of good stuff. And, you know, I are originally from North Carolina. You're from Ohio. And as you know, I'm from South Carolina. But when you hear the term buckle up by the cops, what do you usually think, Bill? Well, you know, it's interesting when you gave me the definition, I didn't view it as that. 
but it did mean that something was going to happen. You know, I was thinking, as you were saying, that, you know, your wife comes in and says, we need to talk. I think that's when you better buckle up, buttercup. <laughs> well, you know, that's, that's, yeah, you're right. Hey, that's when you don't buckle up. That's when you're running high, right? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. But, you know, the North Carolina speaker, Timothy K. Moore, the state's second most powerful lawmaker, has announced that he will step down as a speaker. However, not before the redrawing of the state's 14 U.S. House districts later this year in time for the 2024 election. So we're back, Bill, to what North Carolina Republicans, GOP, has done a great job. Remind me of Carl Rove. This whole redistricting, positioning themselves. And again, I believe that we need to compete as competitors and not enemies different political parties. So I have to give them kudos to, I agree with them. No, but I have to give them kudos that they have successfully maneuvered this thing where the North Carolina GOP and Raleigh, North Carolina has just about all the power in the state when you move around. And that's why I say that Timothy K. Moore, the state's second most powerful, second, not the first, the second most powerful lawmaker and one of the smartest guys, Bill, I interviewed him once on TV, one of the smartest guys is part of that. What do you think about that since all the Republicans have all the power in the state of North Carolina? Well, you know, it's interesting since the Republicans have gotten in power, you know, when they came in power, the state was in debt, old federal government, billions of dollars. And now we have a $3 billion reserve. And we were just voted the best business state in the country two years in a row. This is our second year. And uh, we were getting all kinds of industry coming here, chip makers, automakers, battery makers, airplane makers. So they're doing something right to bring these businesses in. When businesses look to come to go to a country or a state, they look at a number of things, you know, obviously taxes, infrastructure workforce, but they also look to see if it's a business-friendly environment. Mm. And if it's not, then they don't come. Well, well, explain that because maybe some of our listening audience may not really understand or think of it that way as a business-friendly environment, like a business-friendly state. Okay. Let me let me get, explain what that means. You're going to move someplace. Think about yourself. I'm going to go move someplace. Uh-huh. And I, I find out that when I go there, they don't like people like me from Parma. Okay. Right. Okay. Okay. I can relate to that because as a black person, I always look around and say, how many black people live around there? You know, when I was being, it's interesting you make that point. And I, I would say I'll be quiet, but the listening audience know I'm lying if I say that. But it's interesting. When I got transferred from, when I graduated from college, went to a management training program with a transportation company. And I remember the president coming in and saying, Odell, okay, you did great. Now we're going to transfer you where you want to go. And it was two places, North Carolina. One was Greensboro, North Carolina, of course. And the other one was somewhere in Eastern North Carolina. I had no idea. And I looked at it on a map and I'm like, well, I'm not going to Eastern North Carolina. Well, I don't know how many black people live there versus Greensboro. The only thing I knew about Greensboro was two things. The ACC tournament was held here. And they had a Klan shootout years ago. And I know it was a lot of black people in Greensboro. So when you're black, you go where a lot of black people are. That's the same thing with business. Business wants to go to an environment where they're not going to be sued or harassed. 
I worked for Unilever. I worked in the international division uh-huh. and we would go and do joint ventures in third world countries. Many times you couldn't have 100% ownership. They would make you have a partner that 51% was owned by that local person. We would own 49, but we would bring in all the infrastructure, all the equipment, teach people how to work our products and make them. But I remember one time I was going with Juan Carlos Bianco. He was my boss. Uh, he's from Argentina. And uh, you think about Juan Carlos Bianco. I call him John Charles White. Uh-huh. He uh-huh. hated that because uh-huh. I know I'm Juan Carlos. And, uh, but he was a brilliant guy, and he could walk through a factory and tell if a machine was set up right just by the sound. Wow. And uh, he took me on my first trip to, I think, Dominican Republic, Trinidad, and maybe Venezuela. And uh, we were looking for a place to put our factories. And he said, Bill, you don't know anything. Just be quiet and listen. So I said, okay. So we were in, uh, it was Trinidad. Maybe it was Dominican Republic because they're right next to each other. And uh, we were in there and we were going down a dirt road and they had a bunch of construction going. And, uh, you know, we were worried that did they have the infrastructure for our factory? We need electricity and water consistent. And so he he asked the fellow, he says, uh, do you have water to the plant? He says, we have a four inch pipe. And he says, but is there water in it? <laughs> okay. And the guy goes, no. He said, but it's we're going to have it in two months, which meant four months. But, okay. but we weren't in any hurry. That would have probably fit our thing. And we could see they had water in some of the other buildings who just hadn't hooked up this. So we we're pretty comfortable with that. And we went in this big shell of a building and it had a concrete floor. And had some studs and everything. Now, this is in the middle of the jungle, correct? Yeah, it's out quite a ways, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, much to their benefit, they were building these things, hoping that businesses would come because they give people jobs, helps the economy. It's it's just all around a good thing. So, like, we give money to Honda Jet to build a plant here. Uh We'll get that money back 10 times. But to help entice them to come here, we say, hey, we're going to give you an incentive we're going to do the infrastructure. We're going to train your people, and we'll give you a tax break for four years. So we were walking around, and one Carlos said to the guy, does the roof leak? And he said, no. And he said, does it leak when it rains? And the guy goes, yes. You know what? That, that, I know you're not trying to be funny, but you said that's just how people communicate other ways. Yes, exactly. Juan Carlos obviously had been through something like this before that was an issue. I remember when I first came on board, we had a plant in Mexico, and when they built it, they didn't put enough supports for the roof. Yeah. And we had a real bad heavy rain, and the roof started coming down. Wow. And so we had to take everybody out of the factory, of course, shut the factory down. But when Carlos went there, I didn't go. It was when I first started. They recognized that just a couple of the beams were too little when they built it. They didn't construct it right. Right. But they felt they could jack up the roof, put new supports in. And then they were going to take so many tons of sand and put it on the roof to see if it would hold it. And if it held it, then they know it would work. Uh-huh. And sure enough, that's what they did. You know, when you think about that, you remind me, I used to be in corporate sales a long time ago. And I remember shipping. When I first came to North Carolina, it was three major industries, textiles, tobacco, and furniture. Mm-hmm. You know, and I remember negotiating contracts, sending tons of textiles down to Mexico and, you know, back and forth and not knowing that we were shipping jobs away just made a lot of money, made a lot of money, Bill, uh, negotiating um, 
contracts going in and out of, you know, Mexico and all these different hubs and the Guilford Mills of the world and the Maxfield textiles and all those plants that we all know about Dan River Mills and all those things. And it just tells you how we go back and forth. And it's about labor. It's about labor and a friendly environment. So when they came to North Carolina, you're saying we have one of those quote unquote friendly environments. Well, and also taxes were less and they didn't have all the environmental controls. Mm. When you're making textiles, use a lot of dye, a lot of water. You got to refurbish that to put it back into streams. Uh -huh. It has a lot of waste products. So in Mexico, they don't have the same restrictions. That's why a lot of stuff went to China because the labor rate was low, but also they didn't have all the restrictions. But we set all our jobs away, Bill. Oh, we sure did. We sure did. You know, thank God. You know, the only reason I think the automakers didn't leave us was it's the ability to make those machines that make the cars. Yes. There are tool machines and they're very expensive. And once you get them in place, you don't want to move them. They're just too big. Moving a couple knitting mills, a couple knitting machines, you know, I say more than a couple, a lot, is a lot easier than trying to build these huge assembly lines. You're better off building a whole new plant, which is what they did to make cars in China. But then it was too expensive to bring them across the ocean. <laughs> okay. So it was cheaper to make them here. You know, it's interesting. <laughs> but when you think about Tim, you know, excuse me, Timothy Moore, I remember interviewing him on a TV show a while back. And then we talked about it before that he was Moore versus Harper was a U.S. Supreme Court let me explain that to the audience, because people may from here may not really understand. Moore versus Harper was 2023 is a decision of the Supreme Court of the United States related to independent state legislation theory, ISL, a doctrine that asserts state legislatures have sole authority to establish federal election laws without review by state courts or governors. The case arose from the redistricting, that's that word again, of North Carolina's districts by its legislature after the 2020 United States Census, which the state courts found to be artificial and partisan and an extreme case of gerrymandering in favor of the Republican Party. In June of 2023, the Supreme Court ruled in a 6-3 decision that the election clause does not give state legislature sole power over elections, rejecting independent state legislature theory. One of the most significant ways that each state regulates the manner of elections is through their power to draw electoral districts. Although the theory Congress could draw the district maps of each state, it has not exercised that level of oversight. So, Bill, redrawing the lines. You are an elected official and District 3. Appointed. Appointed official in District 3. I don't want any cards and letters. Okay, no cards and letters. <laughs> now, you know your district. What happens in your district is what, as far as Republican, Democrat, Independent? It's uh, Republican, Independent, and then Democrat. Probably 40-some percent Republican, probably 30-some percent Independent, and then the rest is Democrat. Okay, so what happens if someone decides to redraw your district so that the majority of people, because you're a Republican, the majority of people in that district are Democrats now, and then you have to run? Is that fair? Well, in my case, I run as a moderate. So my thing is, 
I want to bring Democrats over and independents over to the Republican side, not to turn them into Republicans, but let them see vote for the person as opposed to the letter. Hmm. What is a moderate Republican? Is that like Ronald Reagan, uh, Reagan Democrat or something? What's that all about? Better buckle up, buttercup. <laughs> it's it's a Ronald Reagan. It's a Ronald Reagan guy. It's just interesting. So, but if you are a moderate Republican, then you get pushback from the very aggressive Republicans. What's the term for aggressive Republicans? Uh, conservative. Conservative. So. You know, it's kind of like the Jewish faith. They have ultra-Orthodox, right? Orthodox, Reformed, and I think there's another one. So just like anything, even in our religion, you know, there's different levels. And so what happens in the, the political parties, the same thing. You get extreme Democrats, extreme Republicans. We call extreme Democrats liberals. Do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way out there. Flaming liberals or just liberals? Now, you all call us flaming liberals, <laughs> but we call us, you know, liberals out there or progressives. Well, the, with, you know, what the ultra orthodox Republicans would call you are socialist or communist. So you're absolutely right. So the bottom line is, would they get upset that I'm sitting here or you're sitting there talking to me? No. Instead of attacking each other. Well, because what they, what they do is the extreme Republicans say both of us are bad they why don't, they don't differentiate us why i heard one tell me that i don't like pastors that get involved in politics i don't like pastors that work for political people i like my pastors to preach and it kind of sounds like donald trump when he was talking about john mccain he said i like my heroes that die wow john mccain lived through a prison terrible time so you know i just think you know everybody's it, I, I found that you can't necessarily change anybody. All you can do is share with them, if they're willing to listen, your thoughts and nothing else. Agree to disagree. Well, Bill, I mentioned that Tim Moore is the second most powerful lawmaker in the state of North Carolina. Uh, how about a riddle, sir? Who's the most powerful? Who's the number one? Who is the big daddy cane or the godfather when it comes to lawmakers in the state of North Carolina? Uh, Phil Berger, Senator Phil Berger. Why did you say that? He's in charge of uh, he's president pro temp of the Senate, which means after lieutenant governor, he would become governor. The governor, lieutenant governor had a problem, but they have actually Probably the most powerful person is the Chief Justice Supreme Court, Paul Newby. Wow. wow. I'll tell you why. The Supreme Court can remove the governor. Wow. The senator. I didn't know that. Yeah. They can remove the governor or the senator, Phil Berger, if they wanted, or Tim Moore. Supreme Court. If Roy they, Cooper. Roy Cooper. Yeah. I think it was done once before where the Supreme Court did that. And... Uh, I'm not sure what the procedure is, but I remember one time Chief Justice Newby telling me that uh, we were getting a tour of the Supreme Court building. Uh -huh. And he talked about the powers that the Supreme Court had in the state. You know, it was interesting when you start thinking many people may have said that the most powerful lawmaker in the state of North Carolina is Governor Roy Cooper. He's the governor. He can veto and he could do all that. And usually you're absolutely correct because he's on the top of the <clears throat> ticket. But in the great state of North Carolina, we did something. Well, you all did, Republicans. You all did something that's kind of tricky, Bill. What did you all do? 
No, we made super majority. <laughs> okay. And that means he does a veto and it takes two thirds of the Senate and the House to vote. And if they vote, they override his veto. And so we have that. But, you know, it's interesting that you didn't have that. You know, we talked about the red wave, 2022, big red wave and everything. And the wave didn't go a lot of places, but the, the wave showed up in North Carolina. Yeah. It showed up in our state. So I understand it now is that the Republicans have control of the North Carolina legislation as far as the Senate, Phil Berger, as far as the House, Tim Moore, as far as the Supreme Court, Justice Newby. So all, you're missing one. Who? U.S. senators. Well, yeah, they're both Republicans. Wow. Wow. And I and I think our congressional delegation is made up of more Republicans than Democrats as well. So the thing about the super. You so here's right. here's the question. Uh -huh. All that strength. Why is it then Guilford County County Commissioners is Democrat City Hall of Greensboro is Democrat. The mayor's Democrat. The school board in Guilford County is Democrat. If we got all that Republican powerhouse, why is it that Guilford County's leadership is all Democrat? I think because in a lot of cases is the way the lines are drawn. And it's a situation where Greensboro, North Carolina is the home of two outstanding institutions, many, but two HBCUs, North Carolina A&T State University and Bennett College for Women. And a lot of African-Americans, a.k.a. black people, live in Greensboro. So the numbers are tremendous. Now, when you think about the Republicans, very rarely do they control Greensboro as it relates to the mayor's office or it relates to city council or school boards, because it's just the numbers, Bill. It's all about the numbers. Why yeah. do you think is that way? One is I don't think Republicans put up good candidates. I think the Democrats put up better candidates. Well, that would be the local GOP Republican yep. Party who's they, they know how to fight each other. You all know how to fight each other. Well, whether you all know how to run good candidates or not, you all know how to do a political circular firing squad. Yeah. And they, I don't think the Republican Party here uh, knows how to get out the vote. But, but the now Democrats you this party now. Wait a minute, Bill. They're going to kick you out. of the Oh, my fault. They already tried to kick you out of the Republican Party. OK, I'm censored, man. I, <laughs> I can't. Maybe maybe double secret censored. I don't know. Is the next thing. But, you know, if you look at to me, people will. I don't care about the skin color. If they're a good candidate. Right. And people feel that that candidate's going to work for them and they may not agree with 100 percent. They're going to go with that person. And uh, now there's some people that just go and press D for everything, press R for everything. But I think that if you're a good politician and you're a good citizen, a servant citizen, I should say, and uh, you're out there in the community and people know, hey, he's a good guy. And give you an example. Howard Coble was our congressman for 20 some years. I uh, love them. Republican loved them. Coble, I love them. He went across all races, all economic. I mean, so how did he do that? How did he do that? Well, he did it by working hard, quite frankly. he When I was in Scouts, he would come to every Eagle event and give out something. And uh, so on the weekends, he was busy doing Eagle stuff. And so he was all over the area doing things. So I think the thing is that if you're going to be in politics, be a good politician. Go out in the community. Like I went to Stokesdale City Council last week, Tuesday, I think it was. Thursday and it's three and a half hours 
Wow. It was a long meeting. But part of it is they don't have a town manager, so they're managing all the stuff. So a lot of minutiae detail. But what was nice is I was able to see the five people that are running that city, their personalities, their style, what they were concerned about. What were they concerned about? Because that's part of your district, right? It was. What is the leadership and the residents of Stokesdale concerned about from the Board of Education school board representative? Well, I went in, I had three minutes to talk, and I told them that I wasn't there to talk about all the drama around me. We could do that out in the parking lot and chat as much as we want. But for my three minutes, I wanted to talk about what can we do better for the kids and the parents of the school and uh, if they had any things that were on their mind that they would like to know. Uh And so they asked me a number of things. Uh, One was what percentage of the school budget is applied to their area. Right. Okay. Since they're one of the highest tax paying areas around. Yeah. Well, they, they actually their taxes are low. Oh, for real? Yeah, they don't have a real estate tax on their properties. Oh. The city does. Now the county does. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. The city doesn't. Okay. And uh, so they wanted to know about that, and I didn't have an answer for that, so I said I'd find out. Then they wanted uh, opening week of school at their elementary school. The streets get crowded because everybody's bringing their kids for the first week. Right. So they can we get a traffic cop out there to direct traffic? Just a simple- Yep. Traffic cop. Yep. That's all they wanted. And then the Northwest High School, they would like a traffic cop all year long because these high school kids are coming with their cars and stuff. Okay. And it's a safety issue. Let me ask a question. I know since they're out in the county, they don't pay city taxes, just county taxes. On average, Bill, what's the value of the average house, a home out there? Oh, they're getting close to a million bucks. Okay. There you go. Yeah. There you go. It- Demographics are not in your favor. There you go. There you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> the uh, But there's still a lot of rural area, a lot of country land out there. And uh, so these councilmen and the mayor, they're really, really dedicated to doing the best thing for their constituents. Worried about money. Like this may sound silly, but it saved $15 a month. They didn't need Zoom anymore because they were using something else. So they decided, let's cancel our Zoom account. That tells me that they're concerned about their budgets. And they're paying attention. And they're paying, they're paying attention. attention. They're yeah. paying attention because at the end of the day, you don't get to be wealthy by throwing your money away. Because like we always say, money is a tool, T-O-O-L, not a toy, T-O-Y. Yep. Yep. And so they invited me back again, and I told them I'd come back with uh, and get them their answers before then if I can. So we left starting with, I was talking to Mayor before we started, and he said, you know, you're not the most popular person in this area. So wait a minute. The mayor of Stokesdale looked you in the eyes and said, hey, you're not the most popular person in this area. I thought you were the most hated school board member Republican in this area. Yeah. I don't think he wanted to use that word. Uh-huh. But uh, I think uh, he was just letting me know. And when I left, I don't know if I changed. His, I wasn't intending to change his mind. I was just going to be myself. And uh, show them that I cared and I wanted to help where I could. When we left, a couple of the councilmen thanked me for being there and asked me to come back. And uh, so I think if, in fact, one of the people that was there that was a newspaper person, she said, uh, you're probably the first school board person that's been to one of our meetings that wasn't during an election. Well, you know, we feel that way in the black church that all of a sudden when it's election time, we have people who run in for office coming through our church, like, you know, like it's a cattle call or something like that and using any other time. And Bill, I don't, I don't, sometime you feel that 
is disrespectful. And, you know, I've been around politics for most of my adult life, so I understand it. But it's disrespectful. But something happened in the state of North Carolina that gave the GOP the supermajority that I still don't understand it. So I asked the question, you know, what, what folks may know or don't know is Representative, and I apologize if I get the name wrong, Tracia Cotham. She was a, a sitting North Carolina representative who was elected as a Democrat. She's now leaving the party and becoming a Republican, a move that grants the GOP the outright legislative supermajority, like you talked about it, needed to override vetoes from the governor's office. Representative Cawthon, who represent Democrat-dominated, listen to this bill, Democrat-dominated district in Mecklenburg County announced her switch on Wednesday, this about a month ago, to House Speaker Tim Moore, Senate President Pro Tem Phil Berger, and others joined her and welcomed her to the party and Republican caucus. You know, if you think about it, I think at when they had the statewide convention here that the Republican Party gave her a standing ovation when she came up because she was elected by Democrats to be a Democrat and she changed her party affiliation to be a Republican. And it's like, wait a minute, why would you do that? And this was her answer. She said the modern day Democrat Party has become unrecognizable to me and others across the state. She switched parties to escape the pressure. She said she faced to vote with the Democrat caucus declaring, I will not be controlled by anyone. Now, I'm sure she's a fine person, Bill. But I asked a friend of mine, I'm like, wait a minute, if she's from a a, a Democrat-controlled region, and they vote a Democrat, vote her in as a Democrat, and she goes up there and switch. So now the Republicans can veto everything the governor does, supermajority and everything. I'm like, what's going to happen when she runs again? I was having coffee with the Republican lobbyist, and he said, oh, we don't worry about that. We're going to redraw the lines in her district so she's going to be safe. I'm like, what? I mean, it's like, no, no, don't worry about that. We're going to redraw. Now, this is a this is a lobbyist. This is not even elected official. This is how deep this thing is. We're going to redraw the lines around her so that she'll be in a safe district. Mark my word, because the thing about it is we'll find out. So if we know months ahead of time that this young lady's going to be redrawn in a safe district, then that tells you, Bill, and it's all legal. Don't get me wrong. But why my party, the Democrats, we're playing checkers. Your party, in some cases, is playing chess. What's your thoughts about that, sir? Well, I can't imagine that somebody comes from a real strong Democrat district and gets voted in by Democrats, probably raise money from Democrats. Yes, yes. Black folk. Yep, And probably had volunteers. Yes, yes. Black folk. And then switch on them. Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, black folks used to bait and switch now, you know, yeah. you know, that's part of our American lived experience, the bait and switch yeah. in the political yeah. parties. I, I mean, I just can't imagine that. Well, yeah. it happened. <clears throat> yeah. And she wasn't even censored. <laughs> 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 I 
where did you come up with this kind of stuff, man? Where did you come up with this stuff? But Bill, the whole idea, you know, when you think about it, now it's three-fifths of the 120 members, which gives them the supermajority in the House, just like in the Senate. So by this one individual, and it was her right to do whatever she needs to do, the whole balance of power shifted. Now the North Carolina GOP has unfiltered control of elections redistricting. And I keep talking about redistricting with the highest state courts now controlled by the GOP. I remember our good friend, Kathy Manning, Congressman Kathy Manning, and she got in the last time, got redistrict out and everything and a district she couldn't win. And she sued. But the last time the North Carolina Supreme Court was controlled by Democrats, but this time is controlled by Republicans, GOP. So buckle up, buttercups. This thing is going to be a wild ride, Bill. But one thing about it is this young lady I I met and she's going to be a superstar. So it's interesting. Do you know anything about it's a Anderson Clayton? No, don't know. Okay. Anderson Clayton, she came to Greensboro with Josh Stein, North Carolina Attorney General Josh Stein, who's running for governor. When was this? This a couple months ago. Okay. And I'll tell you about that meeting. But this young lady, I looked at her and I think she's like 25 years old. And it's like, wow, she's going to be a superstar. But at the same time, you know, you never know. Potentials everywhere, but then you never know. So that's kind of where we are. So now if you think about the governor, the governor is what we may have called a lame duck. Remember that those terms, because everything he does right now, and if he vetoes it because Republicans control the House and the Senate, so they pass bills, supermajority, and he vetoes them, they override his veto. Mm-hmm. And I think they're in the process now of a bunch of different vetoes they're overriding, and it's nothing he can do but just wait out the turn. Now, let me tell you who's knocking at the door. Knocking at the door is Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson and his, you know, everybody know about Mark Robinson. He's African-American male Republican, big voice, who is very, 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 how would you describe him as very conservative? Mm -hmm. And his biggest thing, he's saying, we don't need another politician who's trying to climb the political ladder. So that's one Republican, right? Black male. Then we have our good friend, Congressman Mark Walker, who just announced a couple of weeks ago that impressive fundraising hall in just 40 days, over $550,000. And Walker and his camp is saying something a little different. Sometimes I think that Walker and his camp is talking to Governor, I mean, Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson and his mm-hmm. camp and back and forth because they used to be friends. I don't know their relationship now, but they're running against each other. But Mark Walker said this. Congressman Walker said this today, our solid numbers talking about the $550,000 he raised our solid numbers reveal that our message is resonating with North Carolina voters. Conservatives need a leader that could withstand the scrutiny of the number one gubernatorial race in the nation and not be weighed down by financial and legal troubles. I am the only candidate that has built bridges in communities across the state, led my own business and understands and engage in the fight on the federal level. We will override Raleigh bureaucrats and restore power back to the people of North Carolina in both our economic and educational arenas. 
So everyone has something to say. But a gentleman came to me and had lunch with me the other day, and I'll just call him the wild card. I won't mention his name yet or anything about him until he declares. But it's going to be a wild card who's going to declare from the Republican side in the governor's race that's going to blow people's minds. Now, let's talk about the Democrats. You say, Odell, what about the Democrats? The Democrats, yes. I got invited two or three months ago to a meeting. Uh, one of the rap, local rabbis invited me to the meeting. And it was the gentleman, Josh Stein, was coming to the meeting. And I said, okay. Uh, I really went for the purpose of I was invited by the rabbi and I wanted to, you know, because we invite each other and support each other. But Josh Stein came in and he was giving his spill. And I, I was kind of tired that day. So I raised my hand. And I said, hey, um, excuse me. And I know he wasn't finished with his spill. And, you know, a lot of politicians, they don't like it when you don't, you know, allow them just to talk, 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 talk. And I said, what's your strategy? I just said, what's your strategy? And he looked at me, Bill, and with a little snicker, he said, to win, of course. And before I knew it, Bill, I just went straight at him. I said, what the hell you mean? I know that. I know your strategy is to win. What other than that, what are you going to do? Tell me, because I said you come in here and Democrats always want the black vote. You take the black vote for granted. And I ask you, what's your strategy? And you give me some smart off the cuff answer. And the room got quiet. About 25, 30 people in their leaders in the community. Because it just, you know, sometimes you, you're tired, you come in, you want to support. But the answer just hits you the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Because I felt that he was taking the black vote for granted. And I didn't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that because everybody knows Odell's philosophy is that I believe that the Democrats take the black vote for granted. The Republicans ignore the black vote and the black vote is caught between a political rock and a hard place. And that's part of my mission not to make that the case. So that's why Odell sometimes will support and vote and endorse Republicans. Sometimes will vote and support and endorse Democrats. Sometimes will vote, support and endorse black folk. Sometimes will vote endorse white folks and everything because I believe the best candidate bill I'm into that best candidate club. I'm not voting straight ticket Democrat. I'm not voting straight ticket Republican. I'm not voting straight ticket anything. You know what I think? What do you think? You're going to get censored. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> hey, we'll be together again. <laughs> you know what? We have to have, you know, maybe if you get censored and I get censored, we'll have a censored room. Okay. What, what does being censored even mean? What, what does that mean, being well, censored? It, it uh, means I can't go to any Republican event in Guilford County. The audacity. The audacity. But I, I'm sure I could write checks. But the audacity. What happened about being about the children? What it about being about never the parents? Come, that never comes up. That never comes well, up. Well, what comes up then? If I'm a censor, what am I censoring you for? What comes up? Yeah, it's kind of crazy, isn't it? And yeah, I, I might be I might be censored and they might not uh, invite me back to this meeting because he, North Carolina Attorney General Josh Stein just looked at me, Bill. He looked at me and maybe he thought and maybe not. I don't know. He's like, who in the world let this crazy guy? <laughs> I don't know. I can't say yeah. he said that, but yeah. he gave me one of those looks like. Where is this meeting at? The synagogue? No, or it was over. Yeah. The old temple right there across from First Presbyterian okay. Church. Yeah. OK. Yeah. And, and there. And it's like. <clears throat> And I'm like, listen, man, I want to support you. I want to support you. Give me a reason to support you other than you're a Democrat and I'm black. 
That's not enough anymore, Bill. Mm. Give me a reason, Lieutenant. Give me a reason to support you, North Carolina Attorney General Josh Stein. Give me a reason. What's your strategy? What's your plan? Come on, man. You running for office. You are running for office. So do the work. Do the doggone work and think, quit thinking that you take black people vote for granted. You are going to get censored. I'm censoring myself. <laughs> He's cranking up, boys. I'm yeah. just, it's crazy. Yeah. Bill, as a black person, man, I don't have so much, but I have my vote and I have the right to determine who I vote for. And it's not the lesser of two evils. Well, I refuse to believe I, that. I think you're speaking for a lot of people. We want to know what they stand for, what they want to do. And we know they can't do a lot because, you know, if you have a, a Republican House and Senate that can override you, your hands are tied. So you better have good negotiating skills because and there's some things clearly that the Republicans want. That aren't veto proof. And that's where you go and talk to them. You say, OK, you need this, then I'll do that. And um, so that, that's what you got to sit down and work on. Guess what? The only way you do that is you find common ground all day long. Find common ground all day long. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. And again, it's the whole this last thing that came up in you talk about our city council. And it's almost this whole thing about free speech or maintaining order. Good friend, uh, Mayor Nancy Vaughn, who I had the pleasure of working for one of her campaigns. It's like, OK, the city. Council adopted a new procedure, July 11th, that allows officials to temporarily bar people who intentionally disrupt the meeting or ridicule other speakers. If these people disregard a warning, they will be removed from the meeting and cannot participate in person for three months, according to the protocol proposed by Mayor Nancy Vaughn. Now, Bill, is this free speech or maintaining order? We have similar situations in school board. We give people three minutes and it's first come, first serve. And uh, the problem with the first come, first serve is there's a group of people always jump in at first. And so you get the same people over and over and over again. I don't have a problem. Somebody is disruptive, but they've got three minutes to say their piece. We never question them from the, we just let the citizen say what's on their mind for three minutes. I think that's, that's a good thing. Now, if someone is spewing hate, I don't know if you want them up there. If they're threatening people, I don't think you want them up there. Those are not the people you want to give a platform to. So I think it comes down to they get some people in there that are pretty little crazy. And explain uh, when you say they, you talk about the city council, city council. you talking about city school board, the city council. We get some controversy, but usually not. You know, it's just someone talking about. A particular issue around the school or some safety issue or something. But um, I've seen some of them on the council and there's some uh, people that have a different set of lenses that see things through those lenses that isn't reality. Mm. And so they're thinking, you know, I got Sasquatch in my backyard. <laughs> OK, he's coming after you. I trained him how to kill. And he's coming, he's coming to your house tonight, and you better lock your doors and get your gun out. Now, now, that's crazy talk. I, now, Sasquatch, white folks say Sasquatch, black folks says Bigfoot. Same guy? Same guy. Same guy. Okay, yeah, you, you've seen him, right? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking about reality, 
as we turn the corner toward the end of the podcast, what's the reality with you? Because, you know, as a school board member, you've been censored, you've been sued, you've been what's the latest and not the Bill Goble saga, but the Bill Goble drama saga. What's the latest Mr. School Board? And has it been worth it? Is the juice worth the squeeze? Well, the answer to that is yes. And uh, I think uh, given the chance, I think they'll see that. So they're already seeing it, I'm sure, but they haven't seen me really start into it. But it just takes time. It just takes time. I've only been in there since April 4th. And quite frankly, two weeks of that, I wasn't in there because I was dealing with my brother's passing. So I really haven't had more than a month and a half. And uh, the drama is, you know, I've been censored. I've been threatened with party disloyalty. I've been sued. And now they're changing the law to specifically kick me out, the state legislature, Senate Bill 9, an omnibus, and they slipped in an amendment. So we'll see if it passes the Senate. And if it does, then uh, we got to decide what we're going to do, what our strategy is. Got three lawyers working on it. And uh, we'll follow their advice and uh, we'll we'll see what we're going to do. Wow. With everything going on in the state of North Carolina, the veto proof Republican controlled House of Representatives and the veto proof Republican controlled Senate and the majority Republican North Carolina Supreme Court and everything else. Why? This one little school board seat from one Republican to another Republican is taking up so much oxygen in the room. Why? You know, it's interesting. It's not even a swing vote. It's six Democrats and three Republicans. So it's not like it was a swing vote. I just think what happened is the Republicans got their ego bruised the way it came about. And uh, they need to put their big boy pants on. And suck it up, Buttercup, and uh, <laughs> no. and get over it, and let the people decide in March. We can have an election, and the people can decide in March. Wow! Buckle up, Buttercup. I like the way you put that in there, Bill. <laughs> Buckle up, Buttercup. Bill, Bill, Bill. When you started this journey, I didn't know you didn't know, but you keep showing up. Yep. What do the people say, man, when they see you show up? They look at you. What are you doing here? You should be hiding somewhere. Don't you know we hate you? What are you doing showing up? Yeah. Well, I think there's two levels. One is that. And the other level is people. How are you doing with all this stress? And uh, I don't feel stressful. I don't at all. I feel God's got it. All these pieces that fell into place. God did those. I had nothing to do with it. All I did was at a lunch meeting volunteer to put my name in with two other names so the school board could pick them. That's it. I said, if you need another Republican, put my name in. And uh, they floated my name up and they said, yeah, he'd be. In fact, the Democratic chair of the school board didn't even know me when they floated my name. She goes, I don't know this guy. She said, let me check him out before I say, okay, if he's okay. So she had to call around and to find out who I was. Who floated your name? John Hardister. (laughs) <laughs> wait a minute. Wait. That's the guy that's changing the amendment. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The <laughs> guy who floated your name that you would be one of three candidates is the guy right now who's writing the legislation to kick you out 
Hey, we know John. John's a good dude, I, man. I love John's, John. John's a good guy. John. Politics guy. make strange bedfellas. Okay, I understand why John's doing it. Totally understand. I don't blame him for anything. It's just he's caught in a rock and a hard spot, and so am I. But, John, if you're listening, it's about the kids. It's not about Bill Goble. So let's focus on the kids. Any last words, Bill? How would you and John, Representative Hardison, find common ground? Well, John and I can find common ground a lot of places. We can. We're friends. We broke bread together. He likes golf. I don't know if I ever played golf with him, but I think I'd like to do that. I visited him in, in the house. He's got a big heart for a lot of things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. I can find a lot of common ground with John. And, you know, if something happens and I get kicked out, I'm fine with that, too. Uh, I'm just going to run in March. Wow. Wow. You know, think about it. It's July now. So August, September, October, November, December, January, February. Here we go. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah. I, I would have to uh, declare in December file. Uh-huh. Uh, I've already started talking to political consultants uh-huh. on what's the best way to do this. And I'm getting a proposal. So once I get that, I'll decide if I'm going to hire them or not. And then uh, we'll take it from there. Start my campaign. What's your campaign slogan? Buckle up, buttercup. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. And I know we laugh and joke about it. And we've been in this community for a long time. And many of the players that you see their names and newspapers about this uh, unfortunate situation or anything else. We know all these people personally, you know, without sure. naming all the names, you know, all the people personally, you know, the families, you know, everything. And it's gotten a situation where it's like, man. It's almost like getting in a fight with your wife mm. and, you know, you're not going anywhere. She's not going anywhere. But it's like, boy, things are very awkward. So from the good looking, slim and trim black Democrat here, the Republican Party, North Carolina, GOP, Republican Party. Y'all a little awkward right now, Bill. You all a little bit awkward. Yes, what do you think? Say the last yeah. words, my friend. The House needs a cleaning. Let me just leave it at that. And it starts at the top. So we'll just let it go. And uh, I enjoyed talking to you about politics today. Thanks. Hey, listen, that's what the show is about, because guess what? 2024 is going to be a big deal. The state of North Carolina that everybody know around the country is going to be the mother of all swing states. And we're going to have a lot of people who are running for office come on the show. We have some who's kind of reached out to us about advertising on the show. So, you know, hey, listen, we are a capitalistic society. Yep. So we look forward to talking to any and everybody as long as, you know, your point of view, you just have to take a point of view. You can't waffle. Yep. Either you're for it or you're against it. And again, to my good friend, Attorney General Josh Stein, would love to have you on the show so you could tell us about your strategy. Thank you, my friend. Okay. Love you, man. Bye-bye. Love you, too. Find Bill and Odell online at thecommonground.show. This podcast is a production of BG Ad Group. All rights reserved. This podcast is brought to you by Yes Weekly, the triad's largest circulated and best read weekly magazine. You can also find us online at yesweekly.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yes Weekly, your trusted news leader for local arts, entertainment, music, food, and more for nearly 18 years. 
Whether you're a big, medium, or small business, managing and growing the bottom line is important. Focus CFO brings the experience and financial acumen of a Fortune 100 chief financial officer to your company at a fraction of the cost. PL help, internal reporting processes, or any business transitions or events. Focus CFO will help you and your team have a CFO in your company's back pocket. Focus CFO. Learn more at focuscfo.com. 